Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey everyone, Mark from Guitar Nerds here. This week on the Guitar Nerds podcast, we are joined by Japanese resident Matt Knight, former and, well, still current, I guess, Guitar Nerds contributor. He joins us um, live from Japan to talk about his trip, the work that he's doing, and all the regular news. And over on this week's Patreon episode, we answer your questions from the Facebook group. There's Topics on everything from make good or pedals right through to our first guitar. If you want to hear it, it's half an hour long and it's over at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. And welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Packham, joined this morning by Jay Cross. Hello. Joe Branton. And a very special guest. Some of you may know him as former Guitar Nerds uh, member slash commentator coming live via the power of the internet, Matthew Knight. Hello. Good evening for me. Just early evening. It's obviously Matt's coming from Japan. Uh, Time difference means we're recording really early on Sunday morning, so we might not be as fresh as we could be. And uh, Matt, you're recording. What time is it there? Like six thirty? Past six. Six thirty. Oh no, The Simpsons is on. Oh oh, no, Matt, you're missing out (laughs) on The Simpsons. That is one of my favourite things to do whenever I go to a foreign country: is find The Simpsons on TV and check the dub. The dub version. Like German Homer is incredible. (laughs) Yeah, always funny. I've actually turned the TV off here because. well, one, I need to plug in uh, my amp and a load of other stuff. And also, too, Japanese TV is rubbish. Yeah, it's quite weird, <laughs> isn't it? There's four channels and there's nothing ever interesting on. There's no, like, documentaries or anything that you can put subtitles on. And always, for every program, there's someone else in the corner just filming their reaction to whatever's happening on the TV. So it's like they're making a TV program, then they show another program within that, and then they film the person watching that program it's so g- everything is goggle box yeah it's live goggle box basically yeah yeah it's very it's- weird like trying to watch there's so many you know here we, you turn on the tv and you get one picture usually i mean there's some channels that obviously have text and stuff but you know you get like the thing that you're watching whereas japanese tv there'll be like text run along the bottom text down the sides picture and picture of someone watching the thing that you're watching then they might fly in something else is it's bonkers yeah, there's so much text. They love putting text on everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Matt, um, obviously we've not heard from you for, what, three weeks um, on the regular pod? It's four weeks. Four weeks since I recorded the last one. Yeah. How, um, how have things been going? It's been, I can't believe, um, I'm in my fourth week here. It's already been a month. It's gone so unbelievably quick. Um, I thought I'd be sitting around sort of like twiddling my thumbs going, God, I'm really bored and there's nothing to do. But actually going because i'm going to work during the week and doing my normal job it just feels like you know the days are going by and um the weekends have been pretty good most friday nights i'm out in town man about town yeah i mean there's a hundred bars here joe branton would have a field day (laughs) (laughs) joe's next holiday destination Well, I don't know why you're not commenting on this. Um, well, yeah, there's nothing more to say. Well, yes, I guess yes. we've, we've summed it up. Um, so what have they got you actually doing? You're just basically doing your regular job, but in a different office. 
Yeah, and helping them uh, translate. Okay. So are you are you <laughs> um, working on um, are you working on stuff for Japan, or are you literally just doing what you? I'm doing would my normally... normal. Right, you're doing your normal gig, but you're doing it. I'm doing. In, yeah, yeah, basically. What, four, 4,000 miles away? 5,000 miles away? Uh, five and a half thousand kilometers, I think. So yeah, like no, four, five and a half thousand miles, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. so. And, um, soon to be nine hours ahead because the clock's <laughs> change in two weeks, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they go uh, forward, right? Full forward, spring back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, I've, I've set up the world clock on my phone, so whenever I need to talk to people, I can be like, oh, just make sure I don't text anyone too early or too late. And then when you put in LA, which is where our other office is, and they're 16 hours behind. <laughs> yes. You're like, man. That's one, of the things um, in, one of the things in my job is that obviously I have to like phone you know, China and Japan and, and, and the States, and it all kind of makes sense from the UK because we're kind of... I didn't in, know Stag had anything in, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got stuff all around the world. And it, you know, it can be a bit awkward. You have to have like eight o'clock meetings in the morning so that we can speak to China and Japan and maybe stay late after work to talk to the States. But yeah, imagine if you're like in America and you've got an office in Japan. Like, how do you sync up that meeting with the well, time I guess difference? I guess it's just you go the other way and the meeting then... The, the people in the US have to do it late and the people in Japan yeah, have guess. to do it early. Yeah, yeah, and then more yeah. Yeah. We work, I, With my job, we work quite closely with our teams in Japan and in the United States and it's just, it is impossible to get everybody on the call at yeah. the same time. You just, you can't make it work unless somebody is up at, at like four o'clock in the morning yeah. somewhere and it's just, yeah. it, it's, it's, it is, it's, it, yeah, it's really interesting how these and it's something that I find really, really cool being part of like a global business and seeing how it all works and how the, these mini struggles that you just don't really anticipate. Matt, we um, obviously you've been doing your full tour diaries over on Patreon, but if we could just get a quick, um, a quick overview of the key points. Obviously, weirdest thing that you've eaten, guitar gear that you've seen, um, mm. and uh, some sort of drunken anecdote. <sighs> okay, well, I can I can tie drunk in with weird food okay go on so i think i text you guys a picture and i think i've mentioned it in the tour diary for people who aren't patreon subscribers so they obviously like they do what they call a drinking party so every friday or saturday is a drinking party which is where <laughs> you basically all meet up and 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 drink basically um to the point of absolute excess um and they were like oh we'll go to this one place it's a chain but every chain in every city has like a local dish and like you can try this and i was like yeah because uh, after two weeks i was like if i'm hungry and something's put in front of me i just gotta eat it because i've got no other choice but to just yeah yeah go just don't ask and just have to eat it so we sat down they're like oh we can try it we can try this it's local to, to hamamatsu so anytime people come over from anywhere in japan we'll, we'll order this and what turns up is this bowl and I, i'm like pretty drunk at this point <laughs> what turns up is this bowl of clear mini fish and they're like oh it's like raw white bait i'm like why is it raw and they're like i don't know <laughs> like we don't eat it very often but like it's like a gift and i was like i was like so hungry and i was like i'm just gonna have to eat this fish <laughs> so i was like they were like do i get it with my chopsticks or the spoon they were like oh you can use the spoon so i like spoon this on there like oh make sure you like dip some of this extra sauce on it <laughs> just ate it and it was just like there was nothing to like chew it was just these bits of raw fish that just tasted incredibly bitter and i was just like they just slide straight down and they're all looking at me at the same time going you know looking at me like oh what do you think and i'm like well to be honest don't really like it and then they all laughed and went nor do we (laughs) (laughs) totally set you up with a gag food well one guy i go out with he 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 like he he eats everything including like um, like he's really good to have because he'll look at the menu and he'll be honest and he'll be like okay yeah so that's like raw this and that's raw that and uh, oh that's raw horse like man and I'm like is there anything you don't eat and he's like no I, I eat anything like even like this one bit of the crab that like smells like feces and even Japanese guys don't like it but I love it I'm like you are mental like he's at, he'll just eat absolutely anything I'd do a bit of raw um, horse we were- I reckon I'd, I'd go for a bit of raw horse just to try it <laughs> How do you, well, how, how is it, is it what, like in a sandwich, is it like a slice? <laughs> like a sandwich, <laughs> like, it's like Billy Bear meat. <laughs> 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 it's just like, 
I don't know. Which don't bit of the horse is it? Everything. Just, I'm just, I'm just, what I'm amazed is the over here. It's like for what you know, meat eaters are used to in uh, in England. Like used to like the main parts of an animal. Over there, they're like, oh, don't worry about those bits. We'll have all the other bits. Yeah. I went to I went to a shopping center and we were like, oh, let's have lunch. And there was like six beef restaurants. And I was like, oh, great, you know, I like beef. And they were like, well, this one is tongue. I was like, okay. And then they're like, that one is also tongue, and this one is tongue. And I'm like, are they all tongue? And you went. Yeah, like, <laughs> where's the rest of it? Where is the rest of it? And then we found one that wasn't, and then I was like, "Oh, that looks great!" And it was just like a mound of roast beef, and I was like, "Oh, it looks great!" And then they were like, "Yeah." And then what we do if you just crack a raw egg on top? I'm like, is the egg raw? <laughs> yes. <laughs> just and they're like, well, it tastes better, and I'm like, I just no. We um, went somewhere last night, and the guy just ordered this bowl of food, and I was like, "What is it?" And he went, "I'm not going to tell you," and I was like. I'm so pissed and so hungry. I'm just going to have to eat this thing. It was like <laughs> so disgusting. I don't even know what it was. I love it. I, I love just, that. I love that you're throwing yourself into it, Matty. Like, and I also love the fact that the restaurants are so specific. Like, oh yeah, this is this is beef, but it's only tongue. <laughs> the beef tongue restaurant. Like, where would you Where would you go here? That was like, yeah, no, it's it, it's beef, but it's only you know this part. Like, surely there's you know you have a steak or you have a you know this dish or this dish. No, just tongue. The, um, the thing is, I was, I was trying to. Um, so a couple of friends from the UK got married and they're on their honeymoon in Japan and they visited for two days, but they're both vegetarian and one's actually just gone vegan and i was like trying to explain to the japanese guys like vegan they were like oh right so no meat i was like yeah yeah they were like oh well you know maybe they could have like uh like ramen i'm like they can't because the noodles have got egg in they went no egg and i went they went hmm maybe impossible in japan and when i came (laughs) over I said, "If you, you know, have you done this? Like, I'm, I've just had to eat fish. He's like, they've, I've, they've been like, we've had no choice. It's literally impossible to order anything vegan. I would vegetarian, ima- you can just get by, but vegan, it's like, it's difficult. I'd imagine in Tokyo, someone set up like a cool vegan restaurant. Oh, in there Tokyo, must be. Oh, yeah, but yeah when sure. you're when you're out in like Hamamatsu or something, I'd imagine you'd struggle a little bit when you're out in the countryside. But yeah, yeah it's, it's just weird because here they don't really sit down for like a main meal. They'll sit down for like a small plate, and everyone will share. So you don't really like order your own plate of food. You order all the stuff for the table, and then everyone just kind of yeah. shares, which actually is kind of a nicer way to do it. Um, but it's just adjusting to the sheer amount of booze that you tend to get through in <laughs> in, in one evening. It's just like, yeah, maybe only once a week. Because you can just go to the, a supermarket, or, you know, like a 7-Eleven, and they'll have three fridges full of booze. Yeah. And some of it's like 11 12%. You're just like, yeah, and you can drink in the street. Just walk down the street just having a big old can of special brew, Japanese special <laughs> brew. And everyone's like, well, that's just what he does. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now you've thrown me off by the idea of you drinking special brew walking through the streets uh, of Hamamatsu not, not me um, so should we have a quick talk about the guitar shops I know you've again you've talked about it more on your, yeah. your Patreon tour diary so what um, what's the kind of uh, music shop vibe in Hamamatsu what cool stuff uh, have you seen and more importantly what only, have you bought uh, what have I bought there's only one really there's two main music shops uh, one is a bit more of a chain and it's kind of does a bit of everything and there's not really much they're just a fender dealer so they just have the standard fender line yeah but there's another music shop called sonics and they do a load of uh, cool secondhand stuff and japanese brands that i've like never heard of um and just a load of weird like custom stuff i managed to snap a couple photos so i'll, I'll put them up um the but the main thing is nagoya which is the town about an hour and a half from here has 11 music shops yeah um, and everyone is completely different and guitar shops in Japan are just absolutely mind-blowing because they don't have any crime no one steals anything they can put everything on display yeah. like in the street um, and all the displays that I hated when I you know worked in a shop like once you press a button and like <laughs> the screen comes everything has those like even a pedal have like a little screen and it'll be like a video about the product and it'll just turn on when you walk past it but they'll have like Wall, they'll have walls that will just be parts and they'll go for, from capacitors that are 50p to like leads that are like 300 quid that you can just like help yourself to on the wall yeah I'm like people not and they're like no no crime so why would anyone steal it what would they so the shops here are just done everything's super clean 
And it's just the, the sheer amount of stuff that's just incredibly well looked after. Like secondhand stuff doesn't look like beaten up, like stuff that you, you would find in, in the UK. And we, we went to one store and they had just a wall of secondhand parts casters, like all Warmoth builds that probably cost like £2,000 new for like three, four hundred quid. It's, uh, the stuff you've been sending over, I've been, that's the thing I've been most shocked about. The prices of everything, it seems it seems so cheap. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff um, that I've seen, the Gibsons are about the same sort of price. I think they're like standard across the board. Yeah. But they do Gibsons like nothing I've ever seen. Because I remember from going to the factory, they were like, oh, the Gibson reps over like once a month to the custom shop factory to spec stuff up. So like it's the huge range of that stuff and you still get the fender stuff but you get loads of fender models that you just you don't see um but it's all the other brands like all the other just japan exclusive brands and actually i found out and i don't think i text you guys this the tokai factory is apparently in hamamatsu oh right wow so i might try and go to the tokai factory do it get some photos um, for us that'd be awesome but yeah loads of tokai here and then but the biggest brand i think is esp yeah and they and I'm still confused because they have ESP, they have Navigator, and then they have Edwards, which all come under the same brand. Yeah, but you Edwards don't see have LTD made their way here. over here a little bit. Yeah, um, I forget which shop it was. One of the shops in the UK really went heavy on Edwards, and yeah. they were like, "Okay, yeah, we've got we're the only people basically in Europe that stock the Edwards stuff." And I just think it didn't really work no. because um, for, for listeners who haven't seen them, Edwards are basically the same thing as LTD. They're yeah, but they, but they also—I mean, it is the same company, but they do like weirder stuff. Like they do a lot of signature models under the Edwards brand. Like yeah, more, they do the baby metal signature. Yeah, right. yeah, and they do. Um, oh, the guy that was in um, Billy No Mates, uh, and I forget the guy's name. It's basically like a Les Paul where the finish is like a Hawaiian shirt like a blue and white Hawaiian <laughs> shirt pattern on this Les Paul and it looks absolutely incredible but you could Billy never Billy No Mates the snuff pad. yeah exactly yeah 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 they yeah. had a Japanese guitarist whose name escapes me it's really uh, really annoying but yeah um, basically yeah it, that was incredible it was an incredible looking Les Paul um, but you couldn't get it in Europe because surprisingly the one shop who did Edwards in Europe didn't want to bring in the, the Hawaiian <laughs> shirt uh, Les Paul but look yeah it looks so good is the um, is the E in ESP, Edward. Is it someone's name? No, no I found no. out what it is the other day. It's electrical sound products. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. I had no idea that's what ESP stood for until yeah. I saw it printed a massive letters in this, um, that makes sense. In this well, shop I, called I'm Big I'm sure we've Boss. spoken about that before because the name comes from, because it was an American company first and because it started as a, a custom shop and like spares company for right. like capacitors and stuff like that okay yeah 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 um so uh so there's plenty of uh, esp kicking around um so mm. do you want to tell us about some of the stuff that you've purchased and i want to tell you about something i need you to purchase for me ah uh, okay so i have purchased it's just for the listeners what? we're watching Matt on skype but he's just pulled out his phone which indicates to me he's looking at a long list <laughs> the, fact, the fact that you can't remember off the top of your head and you've had to pull your phone out to look at a shopping yeah. list of things you've already bought so um, I went to this one shop called Effector Freak, which was just <laughs> secondhand, sec- just secondhand effects pedals. Wasn't that it your had um, five clons? Wasn't that your five clons? Sorry, five clons. They had five vintage clons for sale. Yeah, as in How the, much? the Centaur, not KTRs or anything. No, no, the Centaur, the ori- no, the original one, but they had five different variants. That's ridiculous. Just in one cabinet, I was like, that is mental. How, how much? Um, so does a does they a were about. They're about sixteen hundred pounds over here. Right. Uh, right. In they're sixteen hundred pounds, yeah, in Japan, which is pretty expensive. That's one of the things that's more expensive in um, in Japan than it is anywhere else. I mean, the the crazy thing is, is obviously because they're a Japanese company, Boss stuff is so ridiculously cheap here. Mm-hmm. I saw a CS2 for a tenner the other day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um so yeah i bought an mxr custom shop very phase which was the phase 90 in the switchless wire format yeah um which i remember being i think new 150 or 170 quid okay Um, is it spring loaded or is it just a standard it's the spring loaded one yeah i think i paid 40 quid for that like a mint condition minus the box yeah but why <laughs> why would you buy it's it a great, it's actually a great sounding pedal I was like <laughs> if, I, if I don't like it I'll just sell it it's like 
double money. Um, I bought a vintage 1978 DS1 for 25 quid. Oh my god! <laughs> you can't. You probably can't buy a second-hand new DS1 for 25. Well, quid. the funny thing was, is I went to this this second-hand store. Hard off is the name <laughs> of the off. second-hand. Hard off. That's the name of the um, the kind of chain of second-hand stores here that have like a musical department. This one was cheaper than a Brett, like a more a modern second-hand DS1. So I was weird. Like, well, yeah, because so yeah, it's older. So, like, it's not almost, worth as much, you know. Yeah, but I was like, it's that's a hundred and that's a hundred to a hundred and fifty quid's worth um, with the box. I was like, brilliant. Um, I bought an FZ two, which was the first thing I was actually looking for, um, which is the hyper fuzz, the analog um, boss fuzz that came out in the nineties. I bought uh, an RPS ten, which is their digital pitch shifter delay rack unit, which was the inspiration for the earthquake devices rainbow machine yeah um so it does a load of weird sounds and i also got sent a pedal to review um from Medor uh, Me- electronics Medo. in australia who we did their fuzz for guitar nerds uh, a couple months ago he was like oh, i'll just send it to you while you're in japan because it's easier yeah i guess so that makes sense me- i've got an, a modded metal zone called the fuzz zone <laughs> yes um, are you going to be allowed to review that yeah I'm sure it'd be fine it doesn't even sound like a metal zone yeah, it's yeah. basically just a completely redesigned uh, unit so yeah I've got a bunch of stuff I've just got to work out how to uh, get it out and I finally after years of asking and always joking I finally got a boss engineers outfit yes <laughs> the silver jacket with the uh, with the pink and black stripe and they were like oh we've only got one size left and it, uh, I was like oh okay and it's like it's 5XL <laughs> and I put it on and I was like it's not actually that big and I'm just like because their sizes are so yeah, yeah, yeah. skewed here I was like ah oh, okay so I'm basically like a, a triple XL here right. like a standard um, so yeah it's I've got a load of stuff just got to work out how to uh, send it all back are you going um, to send it back one, or are you going to try and bring it back with you? No, what he's going to do the, is Amy's going to come over yeah. with her suitcase Empty and then suitcase. Matt is going to, but just before she leaves, he's going to be like, right, sorry, you can't take any of your stuff back with you. Got, you, need to to leave, this. you need to leave this suitcase here for me. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, and one podcast listener has sent me some money to buy him a guitar as well. So I'm actually going to Tokyo at the end of the month to um, get, go guitar shopping for uh, one of the podcast listeners is, as well. That is some real trust there. I, yeah, yeah. I was actually going to ask you to pick me up a couple of things as well, but we'll talk about that off air. Blimey. Uh, so talking about picking up things, Matt, can you get me a um, Super Famicom Classic Mini? Ah, they're one of the new ones. Yeah, because you cannot get them for love. Norma, well, you you can pay money for them, but people are charging. So the retail is like eighty quid. People are charging like one hundred and sixty um, for new ones. Um, are they sold out now? Are they? They're all sold out. So yeah, if you could get me one, that would be fantastic. Um, I mean, I know it's moving away from guitar slightly, but retro video games consoles here are so unbelievably cheap. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame that they just won't play any English games. Like, you can buy a brand new boxed Super Famicom for like 50 quid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. Like, seeped. It, yeah, it's. And you get all the bonkers. crazy console colours here as well. Like, all the console colours that don't come out in, uh, in, in Europe and stuff. I'm like, if I could buy a bunch of this and take it back, it's easy money. <laughs> Definitely, like the the N sixty four in like transparent slime or something. Did you ever seen that? Like the transparent green, no. neon green. Looks so a, good. Uh, I had a Pikachu N sixty four for a while. It was amazing. I bought it for no money, and it was fantastic. And then I ended up selling it for no money, also for no money. And now they go for a, a bloody ton. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this one. I actually saw one for sale for like thirty pounds. Oh, okay. Well, there we go then. So I'll buy that one for you, but you can only pay the Japanese version of every every N64. That's fine. Game. Pokemon's uh, Pokemon's a Japanese game, so it should work. Uh, it's not really how it works, I know. No. Um, yeah. So if you can get me a uh, Super Famicom Classic Mini, that would be fantastic, and I will pay you yeah. when you get back. Um, sure. So if you want to, uh, if you want to hear more about Matt's uh, Japanese adventures, uh, we're actually doing a kind of 
I think it's weekly at the moment, isn't it? A weekly series, Matt in Japan, over on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, um, where Matt basically talks about his week, all the stuff that he's seen, um, basically what we've done now, but in a kind of solo but uh, longer format, going into details about bars and food and computer games and occasionally some guitar stuff. Um, It's worth checking out. I have not yet listened to this week's episode, um, but I'm sure it's uh, as good as the first two. Um, Shall we talk about some other things that we've been doing? Because I realise we're nearly halfway through this podcast. Oh, man. Um, And, you know, Japan stuff's cool and that, but there's other things that are happening. Um, Joe Branton, you had a celebrity uh, appearance uh, in your store this week. Gus G... That's right, yes. Gus G from uh, legendary band Firewind. <laughs> I don't know who that is either. But uh, he was also... Uh, <laughs> he, was, uh, he was also hand-selected to be Ozzy Osbourne's uh, guitarist recently, although he isn't anymore. Um, well, Ozzy Osbourne stopped doing gigs, didn't he? Well, yeah, whatever, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, so we had... Uh, um, he, he recently jumped ship... Well, actually, it was at, at NAMM 2016, so slightly old news, but Gus G is, is a, a crazy good sort of shredder guitarist, jumped ship from ESP where he had his signature star guitar made he yep. moved to Jackson um, and in 2016 they released um, their own version of the star guitar which was actually m- more correct because the, the star shape that he uses is is owned by Charvel so gotcha. ESP would have been paying a license to, to use it in the first place okay. so, so it's cool so he's now got these, these pretty rad uh, Gus G star um <laughs> Is it like that cheap market clothing, like G Star Raw? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, he does. He basically has an X and a JS series version of the guitar, so it's like a like a, a four hundred pound version and an eight hundred pound version, yep. uh, which is pretty cool. They're both like they come in satin white and satin black. The differences are sort of as you expect. The cheaper ones popular, the more expensive ones mahogany. Um, Jackson owned pickups in the cheaper one, and then he's got his own signature. Uh, Seymour Duncan I think the Seymour Duncan yeah he's, he's got his own signature sort of Gus G Seymour Duncan um, passive humbuckers in the in the more expensive one and it's kind of following the trend of like where a lot of shredder guitarists are going uh, now so they're all like it's passive pickups and it's like a hardtail yeah so kind of losing all that even though he is quite a hair metal-y sort of leather waistcoat-y leather trousers style fella did he have leather trousers on? no just like uh, just just jeans okay you know but uh but yeah it was cool to have him down so he came down talked a little bit about like his approach to guitar playing and um and you know and shredded out on some on on some of his guitars but it was it was interesting to hear his kind of insight into uh into what he does because he despite being a very very cheesy guitarist actually the stuff that he listens to his inspiration and what he likes about guitars if you can take away the fact that it's a star-shaped guitar everything's quite traditional about yeah. what he's into and uh, and so yeah that was that was super cool but uh it's kind of a guitar that i've never really looked at much just because it is so hair metal like the guitar is it's very pointy unabashedly, yeah very kiss um but it was a great guitar and he was a great player so yeah that was that was super cool Talking about um, not so much great players, I would say he's not known for his playing, but I went to a um, a Yamaha event this week um, for the launch of the new Billy Corgan signature acoustic. Um, And it was not only uh, the launch of his signature acoustic, it was also the launch of his album OG La La um, and the accompanying film. Um, So, yeah, this was. I didn't know about this. Indeed, yeah. So, this film as well. Indeed. Um, So, this was an event organised by Yamaha where basically uh, we went to something called the LSA in London. I think it's London School of Arts, something like that, London Society of Arts, um, which is like an exhibition space, basically. And, um, yeah, so uh, sat down and were shown this film um, of Billy Corgan doing a small bit of acting, but it's more about this, like, weird story thing. I think it was called, like, The Pepper Pot, I think is the title of the film, which uses basically some of the music from OG La La and... Um, tells this kind of uh, fanciful, dreamlike story, um, and it was kind of cool because it was the album launch. There were people like Daniel P. Carter I was sat next to, and you know, people from the kind of rock world were there to to do that side of stuff. But then there was also the launch of this guitar as well. Um, and but the main highlight of the evening was that 
uh, Billy Corgan was there and was doing did a, a session basically and he kind of did a bit of an interview um, with one of the fellas from I want to say one of the mags like Rock Sound or something like that or no maybe he was a no he was a DJ I can't remember the dude's name um, and so we learned a little bit about the guitar and he was talking about Oh, firstly, we learned a bit about the album why it's called OG Lala and the kind of thoughts behind it and what went into the film because the film is kind of quite weird, I guess. Kind of, um, it's like a hero, classic hero's mythological hero's journey type thing, um, and it uses a lot of kind of stop motion and uh, like animated bits as well to fill in the story. Um, so we talked about that, but then he talked about the guitar um, and he was talking about why Yamaha, um, and he talked about a few of the other brands that he's used before on stage and he said that acoustic has always been really difficult for him because it's difficult to get an acoustic that stands up to kind of touring and um, it's difficult to get one that actually sounds decent when you just plug it in you know with the piezo and also he said that a lot of acoustic manufacturers weren't really willing to kind of do what he wanted which is essentially a traditional looking guitar but something that's very like modern sounding and had kind of modernish features or you know not really modern but specific features um and so what he said was Yamaha came to him um a few years ago and gave him a, a guitar for touring and instantly as we all know with Yamaha stuff is you know just super solid and kind of does the job basically without doing anything too fancy i think that's how we can generally sum up Yamaha products you know whether it's their synths or their drum kits or all the guitars you know they just are rock solid and they get the job done and you're always getting fantastic value for money with them without them spending too much money I guess on flourishes or anything um, overly uh, fancy and that and then he's worked with them on this signature guitar which I think is called uh, I think it's just called the Billy Corgan signature um, Joe you might want to just quickly uh, find what it's actually called um, and so it's a basic kind of like um, concert model guitar um, with nothing fancy on it. There's not even like a kind of, you know, not a fancy rosette or anything. There's a real uh, subtle kind of signature touch on the headstock. It's like an O with the line through it, which I think is Billy Corgan's signature kind of... Uh, kind of... Um, symbol. Symbol, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Um, and the only thing really that he's changed is that it's got brass bridge pins. Um, which oh, I guess, uh, indeed, yeah. Which I guess, yeah, will change the tone slightly because it's still you know where the strings are anchored to. Um, but mainly they just looked really solid. I guess if you're touring and you need to change strings and stuff, you don't want to risk having a kind of a plastic uh, breakout. Or yeah, something, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that one that you know might get stuck in the bridge. Um, and so yeah, basically yeah, he sat down and talked about the guitar and then played it. And honestly, it was absolutely fantastic. This space that he was in, you know, didn't have a concert PA and it. it had just like a, a small rig. In fact, I think it was like a little Yamaha rig that they'd bought in. Um, and the guitar sounded wicked. Um, so, yeah, and then he did this session. He played a few songs from the new album. But then, obviously, he was like... In fact, before we started, he said, yeah, I was going to play for half an hour and I was just going to play the songs from the new album. But, you know, I've got time. I'll play for an hour. And then he did like... Half an hour of the new songs and then half an hour of the classics. So we had, uh, yeah, like Tonight, Tonight and 1977, 1979. Um, and yeah, just some kind of Smashing Pumpkins bangers, basically. And what came across was actually, I kind of thought he was going to be a bit of a, like a bit of a bell. Um, but actually, total nice guy. Like, I, I don't agree with some of his more recent political views and he did stray down that path occasionally oh, no. when he was talking he you know he's i don't know if he's like a trump fan or whatever and i don't really want to get into that but um he was you know talked about liberals um <laughs> which not great but apart from that uh he was you know he was a, like a super nice guy and really kind of sh showed some he it, he talked about like working with this director for the film and talked about their kind of their working relationship talked about his family a bit which is something I didn't know anything about um, but mainly it talked about the relationship with Yamaha and kind of like how they've looked after him and um, and talked about how he wanted to make a signature model that was still you know built to their real high um, high standard but still vaguely affordable for your average player so I think it's about what 1200 quid something like that yeah that's right um, which I mean is, is a lot of money yeah. but to get you know a signature model that has been made for the artist 
Um, and I think it's made in Japan. Again, you might want to just look that up, Joe. Um, I think those brass bridge print, b- <laughs> brass, brass bridge, bridge pins brass. is a is a really interesting little. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it before. I, don't, I was trying to think of that at all, and it, and it makes complete sense because you know the strings are the strings brass. Um, well, they're not brass, but they're you know bronze, bronze. and they you would expect them to react well to that sort of... Mm-hmm. You want that resonance. And it's, it's the same thing that we talk about when we talk about, for example, a Telecaster. You know, a Telecaster sounds... I think a Telecaster sounds better when it's got those brass saddles because you get that extra that extra resonance from them. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that nobody's ever gone down that route with brass um, bridge pins before. I'm sure. On a, on a, on a, on a major model. That, that, certainly not that I can think of. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't find out if it's made in Japan, but I imagine it is, as it has the uh, is it's part of the L series, and it has yeah. the ARE treatment, yes. the uh, acoustic resonance enhancement, which I think is something they only do out of Japan because it's okay. it's the treatment they use on their pianos, and of course the Billy Sheehan, <laughs> yeah, attitude. which is they do it through vibration, don't they? Something uh, like I that. I think it's heat vibration. Yeah, yeah. So basically, they make the wood seem old by like faking like forty years worth of playing, right, okay. And forty years worth of being a guitar, basically. Yeah. So yeah, and again, the, the guitar sounded great. And if uh, you know, if people are looking for a kind of stage acoustic, there's not too much kind of Billy Corgan stuff on it. Like I said, there's like this little zero with a kind of uh, line through it uh, on the headstock but you wouldn't if if you didn't know what that was you wouldn't know yeah, what yeah. that was if that makes sense did um, you uh, get to talk to him about wrestling at all did, I did he bring not, it up I did not I did wear a four horseman t-shirt just uh, and I was in the front so I was hoping he'd spot it and be like yes you're you know what it's all about um, but yeah I wanted to uh, talk to him about the NWA which is what he uh, currently owns Yeah. Um, but yeah no chance unfortunately I really wanted to do an interview with him but yeah there just wasn't time and I think he right, you know, he owns the NWA yeah exactly yeah 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 which at the moment is not too much of a big uh, a big thing um, but he's looking to make it a big thing so um yeah, so that was super cool. Uh, I, like I said, wanted to get interview him, but I think he had like interviews with Radio One and stuff lined up. So we're just a small fish in that pond. Letting them, uh, letting those uh, those lesser uh, industries was, have, a little, really have get, a little pop. Really letting the small guys, you know, yeah. have a uh, have a go. So talking about interviews, one last thing I wanted to talk about before we move on to news is just how much content there is uh, in the last few weeks or in the last week or so, um, and just in case you've missed any of it, basically. So since last Friday when we had Joe's GitCon uh, video you've had a GitCon you've had that that GitCon video Matt's tour diary the regular podcast with Mikey Demas the Patreon podcast with Mikey Demas um, how many GitCon interviews did you do? Four or five? Yeah something like that something five. like that plus uh, your interview with Nick Reinhardt um, which is on YouTube Um and Matt's Tour Diary, episode three. So, yeah, there's been a whole lot of stuff. And if you missed anything, I put together, like, a comprehensive list on the Facebook group. Um, and you can go there, and there's links to, to everything. And it's there's a lot of free stuff, and there's some extra Patreon stuff there as well. So lots if, of guitar nerd stuff. If you're wondering why Joe Branton has been a little bit quiet the so far in this podcast, it's because he's actually uh, editing an interview right now. Something else is going to go out. That's you know he's just, he's been up all night. He's got the shakes. He's I've I've just fed him his second coffee, and he's uh, he's he's finishing off an interview with somebody else. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
Got, got to make them deadlines. That's, that is true. Also, Mark hasn't produced any content for Guitar Nerds for about three weeks now. What so are you talking about? Just me. Every day, mate. Every day. Um, how many Bloody Marys did you have yesterday? Uh, yeah, about six. Right, good. Yeah. There we go. Um, shall we dive <laughs> headfirst into a big old barrel of... New... <laughs> That's the best one you've ever done. You, you are sounding a little bit deeper than right. usual. Yeah. Sorry. Long weekend. It's been a long weekend. Talking about sad news, um, this week we lost um, one of the kind of an, a very old amp manufacturer. Matt Knight, do you want to tell us about it? Mm. Indeed, yeah. So they, the people at Carvin Audio have announced that after 71 years of business, they are finally closing down. So most people, or like most younger players, will probably know um, Carvin because of the legacy amps, which are the Steve Vai signature. Um, and also, I did a little bit of research because on the podcast we've talked a lot about Kiesel guitars um, the last kind of like 12 months and how they're kind of really like smashing it at the moment. Like their Facebook is just one of the best places for guitars right now. Um, and Kiesel Guitars is actually like a separate company formed from Carvin. So they're actually formed by the same people. But in 2015, Kiesel went, right, we're going to open, we'll do our own factory, we'll call it Kiesel Guitars to name after the uh, Lowell Kiesel who formed it. And Carvin Audio will still be its own thing. Um, and now they're finally, um, they're sort of announced that we're basically, they're closing it down um, with no kind of real reason behind it. Um, but they've done everything from guitar pedals to PAs to various amps to power amps to, PA, you know, like PA power amps tons of accessories road cases um which if you live in the states is all on a liquidation sale right now 20 percent, 20 percent off almost everything's um, gone by this point oh really okay yeah so that so that's it yeah carvin have obviously decided to close and i guess they're primarily focusing on the guitar side of the business i mean i don't know how their business structure actually works with kiesel guitars and whether they actually bought the the rights themselves or it's i mean it's all part of the same family so they haven't really explained anywhere in writing what the the kind of difference is but they will no longer be making um amplifiers so oh. i guess steve vide going oh what am i going to do well, um, I'm sure someone so, someone else will step in at that point, or I'm just sure pro- everyone has phoned him in the last like week, going so need new amplifier, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if this just really speaks to the kind of state of the market at the moment. In the you know a company that's was producing big, powerful amplifiers uh, is no longer doing so, and their mm. their side business or their other business producing custom shop boutique metal guitars. Uh, is thriving. Um, it's not just metal guitars. Sure, okay, and or modern guitars. Then um, I think um, Carvin really hit their peak in the eighties, though, because yeah, they, they were, were a mail order only company um, at that point. So they were basically you could only order Carvin through the adverts, but they had everyone using Carvin at that point. All the main kind of shredder guitarist were using carvin and they did a load of custom amplifier stuff at that point um and i think because they've never really found any place in any stores in the uk mm. um or really europe for that matter i think they've probably really struggled and like you say because they're making quite big amplifiers and the tone is very specific on a lot of the carvin amps um it is really that kind of metal, 80s metal shredder I mean, I, guitar I, tone, which I don't think many people are after. I also think that the Kevin, the Carvin Kiesel guitar side of things has uh, has really modernised. Like then, they're not just making shredder guitars or metal guitars; they're making great modern guitars. They're making extended range stuff. They're they're doing interesting new things with like. Um, you know with like satin finishes or with neon finishes and they they offer a level of custom shop that no one else offers at the price point they offer they've mm. they've really found a niche whereas the amplifiers they still kind of look the same they look very much like those sort of 80s rack mount yeah metal grill fronted cabinets like there's nothing and i don't think that's the direction that amps have moved in amps have become very traditional again even you know even even stuff like pv making making tweed covered amps or yeah. e- e- even if you look at the um uh the the profiler amp the kemper, Kemp, the kemper profiling app it's not especially modern looking it's kind of like you know with the little yeah, yeah. sort of leather strap on the top it's kind of trad yeah, yeah. They, they just didn't move the amp 
stuff in the same direction. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I think it speaks to a wider market. You know, who these days wants to get a you know hundred watt four channel amp when you like you say yeah. you could just get a Kemper or you know you get an Axfex. Um, and but people still want or seemingly these days people want custom modern guitars so yeah maybe they've just gone look let's shift our focus over to the thing that's working away from the thing that's not working so Matty you said that there's going to be or we're in the midst of a a bit of a a fire sale with regards to the the factory do you know if they're selling off all of the machinery and stuff like that as well or or Um, no I don't think so I think it's just all of the uh... just all the the amps that they've got in stock. Yeah, I don't think they're even making amps in the in the factory anymore. I'm right. pretty sure they were probably just like designing there and then having everything made in China. I think I don't remember them being all their amps being American built. I just wonder if um, they're, this, they're quite this... they're quite pricey though. I'd be surprised if they're not built there. No, uh, maybe. I mean, I just too late now. I wonder <laughs> if um, we might see some key uh, some Kiesel amps coming out now you know maybe the the focus has shifted so much over to the kiesel brand that they potentially uh, yeah that they just start producing amps under the kiesel brand rather than the carbon brand maybe um talking about the machinery one of my favorite things was when pv uk yeah uh, d- disbanded and they were selling not only all the stock for quite a cheap price but they were also selling like do you want to buy this forklift? Yeah, the warehouse fittings and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Do you want to buy this filing cabinet with a PV sticker on it? It's like, <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Um, let's talk about some uh, something a little more positive, some brand new signature models from Epiphone. Um, Matt, I think you've got the details on these as well. I do indeed. Um, it looks like Epiphone obviously bought an excess of white paint because they were like, <laughs> oh, man. We've got so much white paint. What what do we do? Better call up some artists and make some signature guitars. No, actually, these guitars are awesome, but they all happen to be in almost exactly the same color. Um, so three brand new signature models, the Tommy Thayer White Lightning Explorer. Um, we talked about the Les Paul actually not that long ago, and it actually comes in like a pearlescent, like white sparkle finish that goes between white and pink. Um, it's the coolest looking Explorer I think I've I've ever seen uh, with a pair of Seymour Duncan humbuckers in it as well and yeah. some uh, some Grover machine heads so that is an awesome awesome looking guitar uh, they've also got um, the new Matt Heafy Snowfall uh, Les Paul 6 and 7 string um, which come fitted with EMGs in white EMGs with chrome hardware and um, a completely gloss white finish. I'm glad they didn't go for gold because sometimes white and gold does look a bit strange, um, like it does on the Bjorn. I can never pronounce this guy Bjorn. Well, well, you missed out a real essential thing about the about the 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 Kiss signature model. Go on. The fretboard is white. Oh yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But I thought they didn't they know the fret. No, the um the fretboard on the one I'm looking at is oh so it's the Matt Heafy. I, I didn't mean the Kiss one. I meant, uh, I meant the, I meant Heafy, the, yeah, the yeah. Trivium one. Sorry. Didn't they? I'm sure they released another Tommy Thayer signature before that was white as well. Yeah, they did. Yeah. What was the difference yeah, between the, the two? The, the it was Paul. a Les Paul, not an Explorer. Oh, gotcha. Sorry, I'm getting confused because I'm looking at the picture of the Matt Heafy. Um, no, yeah, the Matt Heafy were... is all white yeah 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 no that's do you, do you think cool. Tommy Thayer's gone well hang on a sec how come uh, bring me the horizon geezer he's got he's got one he's, of everything he's got, he's got all of these why can't I have one of everything I reckon we'll get an SG next because he ain't got one of them is he um, uh, Lee Marlia that's his name isn't it Lee Marlia yeah. does have an SG no he's no, got he uh, the SG. RD the RD. Explorer oh, cool. and yep. the Les Paul exactly yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah. I'm waiting for and the then, um, the uh, Airstreamer yeah, the oh. the Lee Malia Airstreamer. No, I'm really excited for the Tommy Thayer Reverse Flying V. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that I'm. Uh, or, <laughs> do you remember the Holy V, which was just the outline of a flying V, but it had no body. Basically, it just yeah, had yeah. holes in it. Yeah, we should get that. That was when Gibson were doing Guitar of the Week, weren't they? That was so mad. For one year they did Guitar of the Week, different custom guitar. Yeah, I actually. So I, I was away this week um, working in in France, and I uh, was. Um, talking with with someone from the US who who I was working with, and he was really excited to hear that I worked, you know, in the in the MI industry. And uh, he said, "Oh yeah," he showed me a picture in, in one of in one of the rooms in this house. He's got two 
uh, of the Flying Vs from the Guitar of the Week. Really? Yeah, yeah. One was uh, one was a reverse Flying V, which oh. is what, what made me think of it. Um, in fact, I think they might have both been reverse Flying Vs, and he just had them <laughs> on his uh, like either side of his uh, either side of his uh, his uh, chimney breast. Amazing. In his uh, in his front room, it looked absolutely fantastic. He was like, "You know what they are?" And I was like, "Yes, mate." And he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> was this someone who didn't work in MI? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Just like someone. Who just super into guitars. Collected cool guitars. Yeah, yeah. Two reverse flying Vs. Yeah, yeah it was bonkers. Blimey. Um, so, Matt, tell us about the Bjorn Jalot. Bjorn Jalot from uh, In Flames. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, so, this is his second signature in what they call Bone White. Um, but gold hardware, active EMGs. Um, yeah, gold EMGs, gold um, tailpiece and machine heads and a gold truss rod cover. Don't know if that's just too much. Too much gold. Why some people, re- gold? some people really like it though. You know, it's it's the same as. I, I mean, this is a bit more blingy, but I, I personally, I never really got on with white Les Paul Customs. You know, the Alpine white Les Paul Customs with gold hardware, yeah. or or even the um, uh, wine red Les Paul Custom with with gold hardware. I think the white is acceptable. The red not acceptable. Yeah. It just mm. seems a little bit. I don't know. It's just a bit much, but it's it's um, some people really like it. Yeah, I actually think the Matt Heafy looks alright. Okay, the six string Matt Heafy. Like I'm kind of like actually that's just just alright. There's no gold hardware, is there? That's the difference. Is it maple neck? I don't think it matters. Um, Really got that much lacquer on it. Well, I just wonder if they've. I wonder if they've gone with gone with that as a because. If I remember correctly, the previous ones were they were rosewood. They weren't ebony, were they? They were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. According to the spec, they say. Let's have a look here. So, based on yeah, Les Paul Custom Alpine White EMG Active Pickup Six or Seven String with a phenolic phenolic, phenolic fingerboard. Fi- fingerboard. Okay. Which is finding is. all sorts of ways to get around uh, get around CITES now. Well, indeed, we? indeed, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, a brand new pickup from Bare Knuckle, the Ragnarok. Um, Jay, you got the deets? Yeah. So um, the Ragnarok is um, it has been produced with Misha Mansour and uh, Adam Nolly Get Good, who is in perif- uh, periphery. <laughs> that's not a name. Uh, that's what it says. It says Adam. Nolly, get good. Get good is a great last name. Yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. in. Uh, he's from Periphery, and uh, yeah, Bare Knuckle have created this. It's a uh, extremely um, aggressive but devastatingly tight okay. ceramic humbucker. Um, looks really nice. I mean, it's Bare Knuckle. It's. I don't think anybody here has ever had a negative experience for Bare Knuckle. No. So yeah, I'm sure that this is going to be uh, something to to throw the cat amongst the pigeons with regards to the more aggressive sound of the market. Joe Branton, you'll probably know this. The yeah. previous Misha Mansour models yeah. from Jackson, uh-huh. active or passive pickups? Uh, I think they're passive. Okay. Because uh, I think that's yeah. kind of the... The juggernaut, the, which yeah. is the other pickup they make. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Oh, well, that's a bare knuckle that pickup as well. Of, that is the trend, mm-hmm. isn't it? I do think people are moving away from EMGs, even with regards to that sound, which, yeah. is, which is kind of the sort of sound that you would think is very... Um, very active dependent I, you can get it with high output passive pickups and who really wants a battery in their guitar yeah do you, do you think a lot that... of people are moving to um, the fluence pickups now yeah. like Tosin Abassi's just got those signature fluence pickups yeah what are what's the deal with fluence pickups I don't know anything about them they're a magnet surrounded by stacked circuit boards so they can basically program the output of the pickup but they're super clean but active Basically. But they're, but they're active, but they run on a lithium-ion battery ah. that's fitted into the backplate of the guitar. So you, like, you plug charge it, in. it with a micro-USB. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. weird. That's weird. The fact that you can't even take it out. Like, obviously, with a you know a regular EMG like active circuit, if your battery runs out midway through the gig, you can just 
pop another little nine volt in there. You're not going to stop the gig and hang on. Oh, I need to find my USB charger. I think <laughs> most stuff is moving towards that, like USB charge pickups and things. Well, yeah, but it just seems awkward. You yeah, know, I guess so. Which is maybe why everyone else is going. I just put something passive in there that's high output. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, do that instead. Um, I let- wonder if. Well, the other thing that I was going to say is with regards to lithium ion, there's there's some very weird travel restrictions with yeah. lithium ion batteries. So I wonder uh-huh. if that will have any repercussions with regards to touring I've been, in the future. I've been dealing with this recently. You have to have a handling certificate uh, to really? to ship or travel with. Uh, not travel with, actually. So he might be right if he's touring. Right. But if you're shipping substantial amounts of goods with lithium-ion batteries, oh, you have but to it have... it has to be over a certain quantity. Uh, okay, I've just found it, actually. So um, this says spare, so uninstalled lithium-ion and lithium-metal batteries must be carried in carry-on baggage only. Yeah. When a carry-on bag is checked at the gate or at plane side, all spare lithium batteries must be removed from the bag and kept with the passenger in the aircraft cabin. So, by the sounds of things, as long as it's installed in something, yeah. you're fine. Exactly. But if you've got a spare one, you need to put it in your pocket. Basically, airlines are really worried about the batteries carrying uh, catching on fire, Yeah. Um, which is why they advise you to take it and carry on, because I'd imagine it's easier to deal with that than well, if it's... Sure in the, the uh, uh, what do they call it, the cargo area of yeah. the plane. It's probably quite difficult to deal with that sort of fire. Just um, going back to what we were talking about there with regards to people moving away from active pickups to more passive pickups, I wonder if that's to do with the fact that more of these sort of metal or modern guitarists in general are using modelling amps and profiling amps and so. axe effects rather than... Use you know, and so the 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 kind of the processing and mm. the compression can be done on that side as opposed to at source with the guitar. I imagine so. I guess I guess the the guitar's becoming. You need less gimmicks for it. It's almost it's uh, the it's the conduit for everything else. Or I think also these players are just becoming a little more subtle with how they're playing. You know, yeah. you look at someone like um, oh, what's his name? I've forgotten his name. The Ibanez player with the ridiculous signature model. Um, Paul Gilbert. No, no. More recent, like eight-string model. Why can I not think of his Tosin name? Abassi. Tosin Abassi. Like his we playing, literally were just talking about him. Yeah, his playing is um, <laughs> a lot more subtle than you know someone like uh, I don't know, for example, uh, you know, a metal player of the past that's just like chugging away. Is that one? Right. Um, yeah. Well, Zach Wild's got some kind of tasteful bits as well. But yeah, it's rather than just that raw power. There is also some more subtle stuff going on as well. Maybe it's because playing's moving in that direction. EMGs tend to flatten out the sound a bit, and maybe that's actually not what you want. Um, maybe you want something that's got a bit of a more organic dynamics to yeah. it. Um, let's talk about one last thing before we wrap up. Um, Moore have announced the GE200. Now, this is actually genuinely, completely exciting news. Okay. Um, so, we saw this the other day um, when I was at work and just sort of on an American news thing and like immediately contacted them to find out when we could okay. list it. Now, they're still, it's not officially announced yet. So, okay. uh, well, it's not for sale yet. So, there's, they're, they're a speculation on price at the moment only. But Moore have thrown their hat into the modeling amp foot controller market which is wicked i can't believe how this company can consistently keep making great products so we're talking like helix and uh, fxa yeah yeah, it's 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 a helix um competitor okay uh, which is great because of course you know that's exactly what they've done with all of their pedals all their pedals lack the sort of uh, original inspiration but are great always great affordable alternatives in smaller housings that's sort of the the whole ethic behind the company and in this case the GE200 is what will potentially be a $300 i think it's in dollars yeah, they speculated this, this this says 230 quid right, 250 yeah. but uh 250 euro sorry <laughs> a 250 quid alternative to the Helix which i am extremely excited about now it, it is much more simple so you're just so it's just a, a three button setup so it's like a, you know you, you're flicking up and down between presets rather than being able to uh you know to have sort of eight or so yep. foot switches but comes with you know the the volume pedal that you'd expect um a decent sized full color screen where you can see the pedals that you've uh, that you've set up currently and and this can be expanded upon and i don't think Moore are going anywhere so i think this possibly will get uh, firmware updates and things so uh, 55 amp models 26 speaker cab sims 70 effects and a, a 50 second looper with half speed 
reverb and a drum machine with 40 patterns and see I'm always when you throw that in yeah, no, I'm the always, drum machine's a bit <laughs> I'm always, yeah okay so yeah this is hitting all the spots you know like a lot of amp modelling brilliant you know camp, cab modelling effects so they're going down a real professional sort of you know people recording in their homes like high quality interface and there's a drum machine and instantly I'm like eh. uh, you can practice on it too that's cool anyway it, it, um, it also has USB connectivity so it, it comes with its own software that, which will uh, allow you to design your pre sets there but my goodness like with with the market moving more towards this like you know come on like five years ago none of none of us four would have taken like a modeling foot controller seriously but no. i think on the whole we've all had really good things to say about the line six helix and yeah. i think the market has moved in in that direction it is getting better people are being able to do more than just like ludicrous metal on these it's not just about scooping out all your mids anymore foot controllers actually are offering loads and loads of of great sounds and presets digitally and the only thing that's that's holding a lot of people back is the fact that you've got a foot a thousand pounds for a a helix two thousand for a kemper you know 800 quid for the um head rush head rush yeah Yeah, exactly so this is this is great if if can pull this off if this sounds half decent I mean, okay, like, one of the things that's really appealing about Helix is the fact that you can select through loads and loads of different... Like, you've got those, however many it is, eight foot switches. That's great. But, you know what? If you're using, like, an ES8 or an ES5 or an MS3, you design your your songs to work around when you've got to switch up through the presets. And and I think people are getting more used to being very organised with their pedal boards. And if you can be bothered to do that, then I think for 250 quid, obviously we have to wait and see what this sounds like. Yeah. But if it's anything like all of their other mini pedals, which have all been great, they've been consistently high quality mini versions of other popular pedals. I think this could be a great product. I mean, not just the um, not just the mini pedals, though. I mean, the last six months or so, we've seen the Red Truck come out. Red Truck is great. Which, I mean, I haven't seen myself, but I've watched a couple of videos on it and it looks and sounds fantastic. Um, and then also the, um, what's his name? Devin Townsend, the Ocean oh yeah. Machine. Yeah, the Ocean Machine. You know, machine another, well. some, another extremely high-powered processing unit. This is only our, this the GE200 there is only a hop, step and a jump away from those yeah, those yeah, sorts right. of things. So I, I think the, the other thing also, this looks really well made as well it's like a sort of a, a die cast aluminium chassis but it yeah, looks, looks solid yeah it looks great one thing to mention there was some other news this week that I completely forgot um, the second version of the tender octava is now available really yeah oh yeah that's the one that they weren't allowed to make yeah they, they, they got the, it was a for bit, one reason or another a, yeah oh yeah. sorry I mean they decided not to make any more for no apparent exactly legal yeah, yeah. reason yeah so uh, yeah. yeah the new one is um, is available now apparently so, oh, I'm uh, excited yeah so, it's it got out. new features as well I think really? it's got like a swell feature yeah so it's got like a slow gear kind of auto swell in it as well so you can swell in an octave that sounds great yeah why not yeah Awesome. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And um, with that, we are up at time, so we should um, wrap things up. But we are going to go over to the Patreon episode and talk about, well, probably some more Japan stuff, loads of questions from the Facebook group, um, and uh, there's some boss news to talk about. Yeah, lots of stuff, basically, because we talked about uh, Matt's journey uh, in the uh, first half an hour of this episode we haven't uh, actually covered most of the stuff we wanted to cover so we'll do that <laughs> over in the Patreon episode patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds where from as little as one dollar a month you can support the guitar nerds podcast five dollars a month gets you access to all of the extra half an hour's worth of content we do every week um, plus you get access to some exclusive interviews the Branton's Ranton mini series uh, of which series two is coming soon I know we've talked about this a few times but it's uh, we we have to keep pushing back the recording but before the end of the year definitely um, and uh, also obviously very topical uh, Matt's Japanese tour diary every week as well three episodes so far but shooting for one every week so probably 12, 11 or 12 weeks worth of stuff um, and also uh, you could if you're feeling uh, very fancy you could go to the $10 tier where you get your name read out on the regular episode like these people have 
Because guess the boys are back in town because we're all back. I got it. I got oh, it. All right. If if any listeners are still knocking about, I guess probably because you're driving and haven't been able to. You know, you've queued up off. a bunch of a bunch of podcasts and you haven't been able to. Uh, to to reach round and quickly, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I would highly highly recommend if you haven't read it already, searching out the article on Vice about the guy who um, went to a bar in Brooklyn and just played the boys are back in town on the jukebox until he got kicked out. Amazing! Like every time the song finished, he went back over and put it on again, and um, it, people started looking at him, being like, "Are you are you putting that on again?" And he went, "No." and then would put it on again and uh, yeah eventually he gets kicked out it's honestly it's one of the funniest pieces of journalism I've, well it's not really journalism it's, it's a geezer writing about the fact that he got kicked out of a pub yeah. um, it's incredible so yeah There's, I'd recommend um, reading that one of the podcasts I listened to they were talking about what they do every Halloween and uh, one of the fellas on it said yeah this is not something we do every Halloween but last Halloween what I did was I went into the centre of San Francisco I went to the jukebox and I put like the Jurassic Park theme tune on 12 times in a row and then left and went and did it in another pub and then went and did it in another <laughs> pub and went and did it in another pub. So basically all of the uh, bars in the centre of San Francisco on Halloween. And then it, like he went around in a loop and like went back to the same one again. Um, and yeah, so they just all had the Jurassic Park theme tune That's on. Like, incredible. Just all night, basically, in every bar in San Francisco. Fantastic. Um, if you want to get involved uh, in... Anything we do Guitar Nerds wise you, The best way to do that Is go to the Facebook group Facebook.com Forward slash groups Forward slash Guitar Nerds forum Where you can chat to Other Guitar Nerds listeners Or you know Catch up with what we're doing Or submit questions For the podcast You can also follow us On Twitter and Instagram At Guitar Nerds Or go to YouTube YouTube.com Forward slash Guitar Nerds videos With that We're going to head over And do the Patreon episode And we'll see you Next week Thanks gang Bye Bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.